Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the leadership strategist. Tonight's guest, author, international mental health keynote speaker, and entrepreneur, Jeremy Torsk. Hey, what you drinking? There is no escaping the hard work. Uh, One of my favorite uh, basketball players, actually, he wasn't he wasn't my favorite when he played basketball, but he became his he became my favorite once I once he retired. and I understood the work ethic that went into what he became. And that's Kobe Bryant. And Kobe Bryant said, I have learned the secret to success. And that secret to success is hard work. And you are just demonstrating that, number one, you get to own the reality that you fight for. And part of that fight has to be putting in the hard work. There is no there is no special secret sauce, self-help, you know, buy this thing and, and go around the tree three times. And there's no success pill. That success pill is hard work. Yeah. Yeah. There, I think there's a, I forget what the beginning of it was, but it's something like opportunity uh, comes disguised in overalls, you know, carrying a work bag, you know, it's, it's not just going to be showing up in your front door in a bag of money, you know, <sighs> it's the hard work. Okay. Well, Hey, well, let, let's jump right into this because on every episode I play with the metaphor of whiskey, jazz, and leadership. And everyone knows that I like all three, literally, but the metaphor is what I, I love getting insight from my guest because I just, again, I'm, I'm looking for evidence that I'm not going totally crazy. I may be a little crazy, but just the total. We all crazy. gotta be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the, the metaphor of whiskey is this idea of relationship, doing what you enjoy with the people who enjoy it with you, regardless of what the folks say outside of your crew. Your, your tribe, your crew, in my case, the whiskey heads, the folks that just love a good whiskey, that's the metaphor. The, the metaphor for uh, jazz is how do I get from where I am to where I want to be even when there's no sheet music? You know, how do I improvise? How do I, you know, how, how do I figure this thing out? How do I play off of the rhythm that's in the room? And since this is my life that we're talking about, we might as well make it sound nice but I've yeah. got to get to where I need to be on key and in time with this thing sounding sounding nice, even when I don't have sheet music laid out in front of me. That's that's the metaphor of jazz. Yeah. And for me, the metaphor of leadership is the idea that uh, nobody eats unless somebody kills something. So, someone needs to step up and say, we're going to make this thing happen. Marketing is fun. Strategy is important, but nobody eats unless someone steps up and makes something happen. Doesn't necessarily have to be the person at the top of the org chart, but somebody needs to say, this thing is going to be different and it's starting right here, right now with this step. Uh, So for me, that all fits into this nice package for uh, giving yourself a shot at at leading a successful life. How does that metaphor fit with you? For, for me, the music part especially is I'm a drummer, so I actually set the tone and the, the tenor of the, the room, right? So, and it really has moved right over into my leadership style, 
when I wasn't the leader, I was still the person saying, you know, this is what I think we should do as a team. I would never really was shy about setting those expectations, but I've, I've been playing the drum since I'm four years old because my father was a drummer uh, of sorts. He was, he played in bands around town. So he always had some sort of drums lying around and I've played ever since I can remember. I've never read music, even when I marched, uh, went for the marching band. Uh, I played a couple of years in the marching band in high school and still never really read. I had a great ear. And I had a really keen eye where I could watch the person next to me playing his quads. I played the four quads and I literally could watch what he was doing, pick up on that first or second time. My drum teacher knew I couldn't read and used to literally sing to me like, and I could play that and I would never forget it. I only heard it once and I would watch Tim do it or Troy, whoever was next to me. And I played, that's how I learned all my sheet music. Once I saw it, once I knew it, I could read it technically, but believe me, wait three weeks, put that sheet music back in front of me and it's gone, right? I could not read music, but I had one of those minds that could just, if that's the rule, I can play the game. Show me the rule and I'll play. And so I guess because of that and in, in, in being a drummer that you said, keeping that tempo, that's my job. I took it seriously. Even when I was playing in my room as a little baby, growing up as a teenager, growing up as a teenager, getting into these bands, it was very serious. I always wanted to make sure we were on beat. That was my whole job, the heartbeat. Getting into work as I was getting promotions, I would wanted to just be that steady guy. I was first in, last out, made sure everything was right, made sure all the everything was buttoned up at the end of every single day, made sure everything was ready for the next day. Come in, everything's ready. We start off that way. And I just took that and rolled it right into my career. And I think that's why I was a natural leader in every single job I was in. I was very quickly uh, promoted in every role I was ever in. If I wasn't promoted, I was definitely giving a lot of uh, a lot of responsibility in charge of very big projects. And I, I think they do have they go together. As far as whiskey, I, what I love about alcohol in general is it is a great unifier, and so is music. And so are leaderships and great leaders are unifiers. So that's the one thing that I really get from all three of those elements are everything in moderation, of course, of course. but it, it promotes unity and it promotes, you know, opening up and sharing and bonding. They all music does great leaders do that. And so does uh, music and, and, and alcohol in the right setting. So, yeah, that's kind of where I see the three really overlapping each other is that that unity bond there and keeping the beat going and keeping the team together and it's it's a great uh, show that you have here especially with those metaphors actually coming together very nicely we need a lot of a lot more of that these days well you know i'll tell you one of the themes that i keep continue to hear from you is the hard work because being a drummer that's one of those things that everyone thinks that they can do that seems so easy because you're doing something at a very, very tacit level that everyone can do. I can take a stick and I can hit, you know, a drum, but I can't do it well. But you have to put the work in, especially when you're going through the story that you just shared, where you, you didn't really read music. You were teaching yourself how to imitate what was going on around you so that you could do it well. It was um, the only thing I did well, really. It was the only place I derived joy. And my, that was a very dark time. My, my high school years, middle school years, very, very dark. My first day in sixth grade, 
uh, they played a Beatles song, and we had a drum set, just a drum set. And, there, and I was a young kid, and there was an older drummer, and I watched him, and I was like, oh, he had a role. Because at that time, I was just playing quarter notes. Didn't really learn the role, you know. I mean, even though I'd played from very young to sixth grade, it's many years, but I was really good at that. But I didn't really know the roles. And I got in that, and, and I still remember that first, and I watched that, and I was like, whoa, he blew my mind with a fill, just a fill. That's all it was. It's like a drum roll where it doesn't belong. It's like called a fill. And from then, I was just sitting there, just looking. And then after class, it was my last class, and I walked home so I didn't leave. I could just stay and hang around because the bus schedule was there. And, and I just stayed there and practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced. The next year, I was the drummer for two years. And then when I went to high school, it was that other level. But I got that from watching him in sixth grade, just blew my mind. So I was just happy doing that. And that, that joy, that work is really linked to happiness for me. So for me, work was never miserable. Trust me, I had some really hard work sometimes. I was a lineman in very South Florida. That's hard, 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 hot work. But it's where I got my pride from, you know washing cars and helping my uncle stir concrete when he was building decks at a very young age, just cutting grass and being told good job. You do a good job and you're told you're good job by somebody. That's just for, for somebody who was brought up the way I was and told as many bad and negative things. When you told that it, it inflated you. And so hard work to me was just equal to it's going to feel good. And so I, I guess I was lucky that way. Okay, so you know you you mentioned this a couple of times, and there there's a statistic that I love to share when when I when I talk with groups, and that is that we have on average sixty seven thousand thoughts per day, and sixty to seventy percent of those thoughts are self critical and negative. Ninety percent of those self critical and negative thoughts are just on repeat. So they're the same negative thoughts just tumbling in our in in our heads constantly, and that's on average. So, so my question to you is, how do you break out of that negative self that negative self talk track to feed yourself a positive mantra or a positive phrase or a positive thought? Because you can't accomplish the things that you've accomplished if you're listening to those sixty seven thousand negative thoughts bouncing around in your head you, you just can't do it yeah i know the people at home can't see this but i just put a slide up on behind me and it's called examine your whys to develop your drive listen to david goggins listen to, to uh jocko willing these guys will tell you how to change that it doesn't take much it's very easy all you have to do to stop thinking negative is to really drill very very deep into why you're doing the things you're doing number one what it's going to do for you is it's going to tell you whether you should keep doing it or not. If you can't figure out why you're doing it, you're going to figure out another reason for your why. And you're going to want to pursue that. But once you figure out your why, you dig down three, four, five, six whys deep, you start developing drive. And I operate on overdrive. I'm, I'm in overdrive all the time. I don't have any negative thoughts in my head. I'm my worst critical thinker. And it's when I, when I do bad and I tell myself I did a bad job, I did a bad job. I'm being lazy. It might be not lazy to some other people. To me, it is. And that might be negative. But it's pushing me because my drive is so real. I never have to have a reason to get out of bed. When I my eyes open, I pop up. 
I don't just wake up. I am up. I have drive. I got 18 things I want to get done. I'm excited about it. I, I got a thought last night or something. I wrote something on my phone. I operate on three hours sleep a day. That's it. Three hours. Sometimes I'll sneak in a nap, maybe 4.30 in the morning till 6, maybe get another hour and a half. But typically 3 o'clock, 3.30, I'm up and I'm done. I'm on the road. I'm gone. Midnight is when I stop thinking. And that's if I'm lucky. When you have drive, you listen to David Goggins tell his story about his horrific upbringing. It makes mine look like it was uh, on the Swiss Alps, you know, and the sound of music. He had some really bad experiences. And you develop these calluses, especially when you get some successes in your life, and you start, as his words are, taking souls. And when I learned how to take souls from people who doubted me, people who said that I was never going to be anything, and I started having this success, instead of flaunting it, I just wanted to 10x those successes. Because those people, they, did, they are the ones that are having all that self up to 68,000 thoughts, and they just project them onto you. And I learned that much later in life, but I'm so driven. If you listen to David and Jocko and you really build your life around the differences that you can make in people's lives and you start doing enough things for other people, you don't have time to be negative because you won't be able to help as many people as you can help. And David has this great thing about if I die and go to heaven, he's going to have all these, this board behind him, you know, lose 300 pounds to get into the Navy SEALs and break all these records and these land running miles and everything. And, and if he didn't do any of that stuff, he was going to get to heaven and goes, that's another David Goggins. And God would have said, no, that's what you were supposed to do. What he wants to do is he's come so far as he wants to get to heaven and say, God's up there still writing stuff that he's done that he wasn't supposed to do because that's how far he's come. And that's my life. I want to help so many people because no one ever said I could do anything. And where I've gotten into my life has just now gotten me to the point where I can really start helping a lot of people, not just by example, but physically with my, my means and my time commitment that I don't owe anyone to anybody. I don't owe anything. All my time is connected and committed to others in my life. People I haven't met yet, people that, I'm, that haven't heard me speak yet. I, there's a lot of people that I'm in the position to help. There's no negative thoughts in my mind ever. Except for the, you know, again, you maybe you want to go home a little early. Wouldn't that couch, that, that couch, my couch has really loud voice. It's like, hey, come <laughs> sleep on me, right? Law and order's on. I love law and order. I can fall asleep right to law and order. That's my negativity, and I love it. But I keep that thing really in check. Wow, wow. And, I, you know, I can tell, too, that one of the themes that I, I pick up from you is you you listen to a lot of motivational speakers you listen to a lot of authors you said earlier that you really really enjoy reading how important is it for you to continue to feed your 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 mind with possibility that seems like a softball question well, it's, it's a challenge really it's a challenge if, if it, you, everyone needs a challenge just like kids need discipline and when you aren't a kid anymore and there's nobody to discipline you, then you need to create challenges for yourself to kind of fill that, that void. One of my biggest challenges always is just refining who I help and how I help them and to get that into a, a crystal clear message. And that's always building better business plans. Everything that I love is business. I don't know why I love business so much. I just do. And I'm thankful for that because small business is the backbone of this country. 99% of all businesses are small business. 50% of all employees work for small business. If I can help small business owners grow their business and be better 
bosses, air quotes, better leaders, create better environments for their employees, then those employees go home with more energy and more, more, more excitement, more morale. And then they go home instead of kicking the dog and getting a fight with road rage on the way home, they get home excited. And now that spills out to their children. They become good examples. And now they have time and energy to give back to their community. And it really is all interconnected. And so reading really is the basis of it. And I'm, I'm not, I was told not to say this. I'm trying to be a better reader. I do not read very fluidly. I nugget hunt because I'm, I have dyslexia and I have ADD. So I'm dyslexic. So I don't sit there and open a book and just read top to bottom, left to right, like other people. I flip, I almost speed read. If you look at me on the plan, I can read a whole book in three hours, but I'm not really reading it. I'm flipping and surveying so quickly. But when something catches my eye or my attention, I go back a page or two, and then I painstakingly read, highlight, look up words, write the definition, get that tacit knowledge of what he's trying to say, and then I apply that for the next week. I apply that knowledge. So really, every time I read a book, I'm looking for something to catch my attention that I can apply in my life for the next week. And that's really my, the rotation that I, that I use. Wow. And then you, you, you've got some, some classics that you keep going back to. So when I asked you, what are some of your favorite books? Uh, you're, you're like, can't hurt me is one of your favorite That's books. That's my favorite. Yeah. Extreme yeah. leadership. And then the goat giver is quickly becoming a classic to so many people that I run into. What is it about those books that cause you to want to go back. I, you know, I, I didn't mention the book that you and I met over, and that's Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. But again, just classic books. Why do you continue to go back to these classics? Well, I mean, the classics that don't die, that have legs, they have the content that has worked, right? So that's always attractive to me because there are four things that you can do to get better in your life. You can outwork somebody, you can out improve somebody, you can out strategize somebody, or you can outlast them. And the things that outlast everything else are the hardest things to beat. And those books that you said are going to be here forever because the, the lessons, principles, strategies, thought process, philosophies in those books are what work. And so every book based on anything since then has just been a derivative of them in one way or another. Some books are novels have been made on one or two chapters of The Go-Giver or Seven Habits of Highly Effective People or The Go-Giver, for example. That right there is one of that, just a slice of both of those other books. And so I do like to follow just what's worked forever, regardless of the author, because there's things, there's, there's rumors about the authors of all these books. Everyone, nobody's sure. perfect, but their advice is real. It's worked for so many people and it's worked for me. Yes, this latest book is called Your Next Five Moves. David, uh, Patrick Bet David just went to a three-day conference of his on this book. Gave me a huge, I got it over here, a big workbook to do with it. This is great. It's about strategy and knowing wow. what to do in your next five moves. Now, if you're an amateur chess player, I love this. If you're, you know three moves. An opening move, right? Oh, then they go like this. You know your second move, right? Oh, I'm going to go here. You might even know a third move. But 99% of the people you're ever going to play are going to beat you with, the, with three moves. Wow. But if you knew just two more moves, five moves, no matter where in the game you are, if you know five moves as chess, you're a pro player. You're beating most of the people you play. Wow. That's the difference between amateur and pro. Same thing in business. With just five moves, the right strategies, 
you are winning most of the time. Most of the people that you go up against, negotiate with, try to sell, try to lead, try to engage, try to hire. With five moves, you're a pro and you're winning most of the times. Now you get to 10 moves, 15 moves, you're talking about master, grandmaster level. There's very few of us there. But it's really not much difference between an amateur and a pro. It's just the difference of a couple of degrees, two or three moves. Wow. You start thinking every day, five moves ahead, not only just five moves ahead, but five moves left, right, up, down, backwards, because if they say this and it's negative, what do I do then? So now five becomes, it extrapolates. So it's a little deeper than that, but that's when you get into that rhythm, you're unstoppable. So these are the kind of things that come up and you go, I know where this is from. I know where it's based, but he just made it very clear to me. And it just speaks to me. So, and almost all these guys, now you can get Bob Berg. I know Bob. You can know Bob. You could be on a call with Bob every single week. It costs like $99 a month to be on a call with Bob every week in a community. But Patrick Bet David, I think it was 1200 bucks, three days with me and 1200 of my closest friends, right? But I saw him right up close for 1200 bucks and I learned so much. It doesn't take a lot of money to get close to these people who are writing these things. Look at YouTube for free. You can watch hours and hours and hours and get all this stuff for free on YouTube. And that's where I wow. live on YouTube. Wow. I mean, that that's amazing. I mean, in one sense, you say $1,200 and that sounds like a lot of money, but when you analyze that's a hundred bucks a month, what do you spend a hundred bucks a month on that adds absolutely no value to your life yeah. or might even be taking away value, might be sub subtracting value from your life and you have no problem spending a hundred bucks a month. But what you're talking about is how do you invest $100 a month on the top end, right? Because yeah. you mentioned several things that, that doesn't cost anything, but 100 bucks a month on helping you get from where you are to where you want to be, where it's not chance. Any of us can have success by accident, right? If, if I run out of gas and pull into the gas station and just say, hey, spend these last two bucks on a lottery ticket and scratch off a couple <laughs> numbers and they happen to be the right numbers, you can win money. Well, you just won money accidentally. Any of us can do that. But the, the trick is, can you have success on purpose? Can you achieve success by your design? Yeah. And the books that you're listing here, the books that you're mentioning are hints. They all provide hints as to how you can design your life to be successful on purpose. Yep. And I mean, for me, for 1200 bucks, okay, let's say that, and believe me, I've spent $1,200 to go see a John Maxwell when I was broke. I had to fly to Houston and stay in a hotel room and I was broke. And I went because I had to go. I just had to go. This happened to be in my hometown. So it was 1200 and I got to sleep in my own bed. But the book that gave me, the book, the workbook that they gave me, I'm holding it up. No one can see it here, but it's about 70 pages. This for me is about 150 pieces of content. You know how much money that's worth to me? All the content that I can now make little short videos and TikTok videos, YouTube videos, Facebook posts, LinkedIn posts. I mean, if I was gonna pay someone to create 150 pieces of social media content for me, that's thousands of dollars. That's right there. I just open this book up and I just do a little LinkedIn post. Boom, right there. This is months and months of hard work. Wow. That's just right there in writing because I did the work real time with the leader of this the next five moves. And I'm like, it pays for itself over and over and over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, tr a true return on your investment. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I love the idea of the next five moves and 
the difference between an amateur and a professional is probably just two or three moves. I'm curious, um, you know, we've talked a lot about how to achieve at the individual level. So you're an individual contributor, uh, but you've led organizations, you've influenced organizations. How, how much of this transfers to how you might influence uh, someone in your organization from a leadership perspective? Oh, it's a lot easier to lead organizations than leading yourself. I'm working for myself right now. When you're the, you know, the chief bottle, bottle washer and the CEO and everything is yours to do. And I, I do outsource some of it, but you got to be very, very, very good at scheduling. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a master of my calendar. That's how I can get it done. A lot of people aren't. When you're trying to lead an organization, you've got help. It's easy and it gets a lot easier when you start valuing your, your, your workforce's voice. And you start wow. letting them have say and trusting what they say is the reality, not just your thought of what the reality should be. And you start getting out of your office and into the field and seeing what it is, depending on the industry. It, I find leading organizations 10 times easier than have running my own little small empire because it's just up to me. Now I have the bandwidth, I've got the energy, I've got the time, I've got uh, the focus, I've got the clarity. It doesn't come overnight. You know, I had to start from zero 18 months ago and do this. It took me a good year to get where I am now. And then the last six months of refining and refining and refining. And who knows where I might be a year from now, maybe someplace completely different, but I've never been more focused, more clear, more on point than I am right now, but it didn't come overnight. And that was a lot more work the last 18 months than any 18 month period of any time in my whole career running organizations, because you've got mentors right down the hall, people that hired you, people that have done what you did. You have metrics given to you that you're just trying to get better than. You've got people that you can ask for help and above you, next to you, right of you, left of you. So organizational leading is very easy, especially if you have tools like the disk assessments that you give people. And now you know what, how, what they want to be spoken to with and what words they like. I mean, there's so many tools out there. It's a lot harder to just be solopreneur. It's one of the hardest professions to be as a, an independent operator. If you can't really compartmentalize, like I've been able to learn to do, but people go a lifetime without that. Wow, man! I, I'll tell you, I, I want to have a deeper conversation about you know this transition from organizational leadership to being a solopreneur. You you, you brought up a, another favorite topic of mine, and that is uh, how to leverage mentors. And you're leveraging both in-person mentors as well as online mentors. Uh, you know, I want to talk about your invisible board of directors. Uh, but I, I'll tell you, I, I don't feel comfortable sharing that part of the conversation for free. So I need to bring you into the VIP room, man. So I'm all this, in, man. I'm this, all, I need to get another glass of ice and <laughs> ready to go. This is this is about all I'm willing to share for free. So uh, l l go ahead and raise your glass. I'm gonna raise uh, my four roses, and man, I just really appreciate how you are just obliterating excuses. And any touch of an excuse that I may have walked into this conversation with, you just really helped me feel silly with that excuse. <laughs> um, because if, if you can go from where you began to where you are now, and you're not slowing down, you're not becoming complacent, then, you know, I should be able to do this one little thing that I've been talking about doing for the past three years, right? I, I really don't have an excuse. 
So I just want to thank you for that and raise your glass, man. And I'm going to bring you into the VIP room. So for now, cheers. Cheers. Clink, clink. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.